So as they say, welcome to another edition of Torah and Tea. Okay, this is uh, for the portion of Truma, uh, 5781. And again, as we do every week, it's based on the first one. First section is based on Lekuti Sichis, volume 16. Truma 1 is supposed to be here. And then we'll try to do a piece for Lekuti Sichas, uh, volume 16, Truma 2. Uh, okay, so we'll just give out a, give over a few points. Of course, this is a very special portion because it talks about the building of the Mishkan, uh, of the sanctuary in the desert, the temple. Hashem said He wants a place where He would live in, a dwelling place, and that was the Mishkan. That's built for Hashem. We know that from the time that the Bet HaMikdash, which eventually took the place of the Mishkan, when it was destroyed, now it's the Shul, it's the Bet Knesset, it's the sanctuary, the uh, study halls and the temples, those are the places which the Divine Presence is more prevalent than in other places. But there is a very key point in the Hasidic teaching that if you look in the language of the words, it's not just Hashem is resting within the structure, within the wooden structure, but rather Hashem rests within each and every one of us. Each one of us has the opportunity and the responsibility to make a mishkan, to make a resting place for Hashem. So that becomes something that... Uh, we need to uh, be aware of, and we need to be able to do as much as we can. So a lot of the lessons that we learn from the parasha can actually be applied to the uh, your own mishkan, your mishkan that you have within you, within each person, and we should learn from that uh, how to uh, do certain things in our service to Hashem. Okay. So that's basically. So today, what? Yeah. Okay. So uh, the first uh, the thing we'll discuss over here is what does take for me mean? It says okay. If we say in the verse, it says like this. This is the very opening. Of the parasha, Vaidaber Hashem El Moshe Lemor, God speaks to Moshe, saying, "Daber El Bnei Yisrael, speak to the children of Israel. V'yikhu li, and they shall take for me truma, a separation or a raising." And then it says, Me'es kol ish asher yidvenu libo, tikhu es trumasi. From every person whose heart is benevolent, you shall take my truma. Okay. So the question is over here, we are wondering, what is the extra word it says over here? Yikhuli, take for me. What does it mean to take for me? 
I mean, if it would have just said, uh, the Yichu Truma, take a separation, we know we're taking it for Hashem. What is the extra word, Li, Li, to me? Uh, Rashi interprets over here, Rashi says, the Yichu Li Truma, Li, Lishmi. Lishmi means for my name, for my name's sake. What what is this meaning? Take it for my name's sake. What is this? What does this mean? And we'll see here a very interesting uh, interpretation of what's going on over here. Uh, the extra wordly, okay. So, the Rebbe explains, Li means you have to have a special intent. You know, sometimes there are certain mitzvot that we do, we have to have a special kavana, we have to have a in mind when we do it, that we're doing it for Hashem. Sometimes you can say, what difference does it make what I have in mind? Matter of fact, generally when we talk about tzedakah, giving charity, when a person gives charity under normal circumstances, his intentions, why he is giving charity, isn't really all that important. For as long as the person helps the other person, even if they have ulterior motives, or maybe they're not doing it fully uh, for even the right purposes, it goes as far, it says like this, that if a, uh, this says in the Midrash, it says, a person is going in the street, and then he loses a coin. He loses 50 cents, falls out of his pocket. And when he comes to the store, he's looking for the 50 cents, there's no way he can find it. He lost it in the street somewhere. But there was a poor person who was going in the street, who hasn't eaten anything in the last day, and he sees two quarters on the floor. Obviously, there's no owner, uh, recognizable owner, it's obvious that somebody dropped it. Uh, there's no way of really trying to find who the owner is. The law is that if a person finds in the street something which doesn't have any identifying uh, signs to it, uh, you know, finders keepers. That's the law. If you found it and there is no simon, there's no identifying sign, then it's okay for you to take it. So this poor person finds the two quarters, and he goes to the bakery, buys himself a loaf of bread, and he uh, quiets down his hunger. He's able to eat something. So, did the person that lost the 50 cents, did he get a mitzvah of supporting this poor person who took the two quarters that he lost, and now he's... uh, you know, saved his life, now he's had a good meal with those two quarters that he dropped. 
Matter of fact, this person was looking for his 50 cents and he's just so upset. And I guess, and if his spouse was there, uh, they would tell them, well, it's because of you, you were talking to me. Uh, it's your fault that I lost the 50 cents. But he has nobody to blame. He lost it. In the meantime, this poor person found the 50 cents. So, did the person that lost it get a mitzvah? So the medrash says, yes. It was your money that you sustained the other person's life. You had no intention to do a mitzvah. You didn't even know you did a mitzvah. And yet, you did a mitzvah unknowingly. You sustained the person's out because it was your 50 cents that you earned it kosher, you know, fair and square. It was your 50 cents. And you dropped it and the other one found it. So you get the mitzvah for it. So what do we see from this? That there are certain mitzvahs. We don't care what is your kavana. Now, if a person goes to shul, he davens quickly, he doesn't understand what he's saying, and he speaks through, he probably didn't do much because he didn't have kavana. He didn't have any anything in mind. He was just saying the words or... You know, prayer without kavana is almost nothing, you know. If you don't know what you're saying, and you don't know what you're davening, and you're just, you know, mumbling, you may you may not be doing anything. Because when you daven, you have to have kavana, you have to have intent, you have to know what you're doing. But when you give tzedakah, especially tzedakah, over there, you know, the person benefited, that's the main thing. And that's why... We don't care people get credit uh, for their tzedakah. Maybe they get honor. Maybe they get a building on their name. They get a plaque on the wall. Uh, they get honored at a dinner or whatever, you know, because they made a contribution. Okay, you know what? You know what? Pro- probably they're giving up a little bit of the mitzvah because the mitzvah isn't pure anymore. I mean, they got something in return for the mitzvah. But we don't care. The bottom line is, they gave money to the worthy cause, to the shul, to the yeshiva, to the poor people, whatever it is, the charity, what they gave the money to. So, okay, they got a piece, they got something for themselves. But it doesn't take away from the whole mitzvah because uh, by charity, the bottom line is the other person gains that. I like to give, I gave the example other times is, you know, some people complained about, you know, you must have, watched, heard about Schindler's list, that he saved a lot of Jews during the war, and thanks to him, you know, a number of Jews were saved lives. Some people were critical of uh, of Schindler, and they say that he actually abused, and he, uh, he, he used the labor that he got from the Jewish people uh, in, a, uh, in, a, in a bad way. He, he he, he didn't pay them, he didn't, he didn't treat them properly. But he profited from He them. profited, yeah, okay. But the bottom line is he saved these people's lives. So relative, you have to measure everything according to, you know, what's the outcome? You know, the, the bottom line is certain things, the bottom line is we want to know uh, what is the action, what happened. You know, the story we talked about... Uh, uh, Yosef, they threw him into the pit, right? So, Ruvain was praying for him. He was always, 
he missed the boat when they sold him. He's there. He was always doing good things. But Yehuda, on the other hand, you know, he sold him to the... But he saved his life, so he gets credit for it. The bottom line is, even though Yehuda, you know, wanted to make some money on the deal, he didn't want to just kill him, but he, he suggested that they pull him out of the pit, they give him to the Yishmaelim, they sell him. I mean, it seemed like the intentions weren't so good. But yet, when Yaakov, uh, the end of his life, Ruvain, he is very, uh, very harsh with Ruvain. Because even though Ruvain, you know, tried or he felt bad, he wanted it. The Torah says he wanted to give him back, but he didn't do it. But Yehuda, even if his intentions weren't so pure all the time, uh, I'm talking about literally, of course, in the simple sense, but yet the bottom line is he ended up saving the... He ended up saying the, the Yosef. Yosef was saying to them. So, most of the time when it comes to tzedakah, we don't care about what the person gives, how the person gives it. As long as you have in mind that, that you know, you're giving the tzedakah. The, the bottom line is you're giving the money, you're giving the, uh, the items, you're giving the gifts, you know, you're giving for tzedakah. That's that's the important part. We don't care about what you had in mind. But here, the Torah says, Beferish, specifically, V'yichuli. No, that you have to have in mind that you're giving it for the sake of Hashem. Just like when you write a Torah, right? So we know a Torah has to write, you have to say, L'shem, Kedusha Sefer Torah, you have to say, for the sanctity of the Sefer Torah when you're writing it. When you're giving the tzedakah, don't just give tzedakah, don't just give the contributions. Give them, give them li, give them with the intention. Okay. So we have a special, this gift specially for Hashem wanted. But there's something very interesting over here. If you take a look, in these two verses, those are, verse number one, as I read you before, is by Daber Hashem, Hashem speaks to Moshe saying, and verse 2 and 3, this is right that follows, that's right in the beginning of the Parsha. So if you notice, there is three times in this verse that it mentions the word Truma. See, read, Daber of Yisrael v'yikhuli, Truma, once. Then it says, Me'ez tichu es Trumasi, two. Then it says, V'zoysa Truma, Three. Three times Truma mentioned here. So comes Rashi and says that our teachers expounded and told us that there's three times Truma because there were actually three separate gifts that were given over here. Okay? Three separate gifts. What were the three gifts that were given? It wasn't just one gift. It was three separate gifts. One gift was they gave a a beka la gulgoilas, they gave a half a shekel also. Each person gave a half a shekel. What did they construct from that half a shekel? They constructed the sockets. You know, when they built the uh, Mishkan, they had the cedar woods, the acacia woods, the atzi shitim, oimdim, and they were stuck into these sockets. They called them adonim. They were placed in the Adonim. These Adonim were given a Bekal They were given each person, 
gave a half a shekel, gave a beka, and those were the uh, sockets in which they placed the beams that were uh, standing for the Mishkan. Okay, that was one. Then there was another one. We just read this Parsha. We read the Parsha Shkalim. And that was that every year, this was not, that was the first time over there in the desert. But this is actually goes on from there and on. Every year, every person needed to contribute a half a shekel. What did they do with that half a shekel? They went and they purchased the communal sacrifices. Throughout the year, there was expensive. In the Mishkan, in the Beit HaMikdash, there was expensive. What were the expenses? Expenses were that they had to buy the various sacrifices. These communal sacrifices were funded by the people. The people, and they were funded equally by everybody. So every person gave a half a shekel once a year, and that started before the month of Nisan. When it comes the month of Nisan, they started a new, uh, a new, uh, a new funding, and the new karbanot, the new sacrifices, came from the new funding that they funded by bringing this half a shekel. That was number two. And the number three was the Trumas the Mishkan. Now when they built it, the Chumash says they needed gold, they needed silver, they needed copper, they needed different kinds of wool, they needed uh, uh, skin, uh, they needed um, oil, they needed uh, spices, they needed all kinds of things that they needed. Acacia wood, everything they needed for the building. Okay? Those were the three different gifts. Rashi says this is a hint. That's why it says once truma, again truma, and again truma, three times. One for the sockets, one to buy the sacrifices a whole year, the half a shekel they gave, and one was the truma samishka. Okay? Now, there is one uh, big difference between the uh, half a shekel that they gave for the korbanot and the other two, because the gifts that people gave to the Mishkan wasn't mandatory. Over the year, each person voluntarily brought, everybody brought as what they wished, as much as they wished, how they wanted and what they wanted, it was not forced upon them. They can do as they want. Okay? The same thing is for the sacrifice of the sacrificial sacrifice. It's a little bit different over there. If a person has to bring a uh, uh, half a shekel, uh, I mean, um, um, I, I take that back. No, the, um, for the sockets, over there, each one actually brought it as well. But we don't find the halacha by, uh, by, by the half a shekel that you brought um, uh, for the, um, for the uh, korbanot. It says that those half a shekels were taken even by force, actually. It's not, it wasn't optional. The people had to bring, in other words, those gifts that they brought for the Mishkan, these various different items, 
those items they gave as they pleased, how much they wanted and what they wanted. But the half shekel, this was something which was forced upon them, and they uh, they needed to bring it, whether they liked it or not, they had to give it. So the question becomes, how does this reconcile with the verse we just said, that li, the extra word li, li means you have to have kavona, you have to have for the sake of Hashem. How could you reconcile, take something from someone against his will and say that he's doing it with a kavona? It's not, the person is yelling and screaming, he says, I don't want to give it. And yet, you take it. So, if the Torah says, yikuli, that it must, that it is taken for me, meaning that you have to be taking it with the intention, with the kavone, for the sake of Hashem. How could you go for the sake of Hashem if you don't really want to give it? So, so we're talking about all three trumas. So Mela, if you're talking about the gifts that they gave voluntary, voluntarily, okay, I understand. That is done the kavone. They gave the kavone. How could they do kavone? How can they do the kavona and those things that they don't want to give? That's the Rebbe's question. Uh, the Rebbe comes up with a very phenomenal, a phenomenal explanation in this verse over here, just to tell us what we're talking about, and also with a, a very important lesson in life: the way we have to approach other people when we try to influence them, we try to impact them. We have a very, very important lesson over here. But first, before we explain the lesson, let's just look at the language that it says over here. It says, speak to the son of Israel. What is the next word? What does the Hebrew word say here? What does V'yikhu mean? And? And what? Yeah, future tense. Um, that what? In, they shall in, take. In, and you shall take, yeah. Yikhu means they shall take. Oh, they shall take, sorry. Yikhu, who is plural, they shall take. Why doesn't it say, and they shall give, not they shall take? What does it mean, the yikhu li, they shall take for me? It doesn't take for me. It should say, they shall give for me. Yitnu li, truma, they should give. They should give to me, or for me, with kavona, they should give. What does it say here, the yikhu li? They shall take from me. It's just a little bit of a of a strange la- language over here. Should say li, They give to me. And Rebbe comes up, you know, brings it down from earlier commentators, but with a with a, a phenomenal interpretation of this verse, uh, unlike what it seems on the surface over here. Who who does it talk about over here? The verse starts off. Who are we talking to here? Daber al bnei Yisrael means talk to the children of Israel, right? Mm-hmm. And so the way we're interpreting now, this is actually not talking to the people who are giving, but this is talking to the attendants, to the collectors. Mm-hmm. Which Bnei Yisrael 
And actually what we're saying over here is when these collectors are taking the truma, yichu, when they take, they don't, they, so we're actually saying that they should take it for the sake of Hashem. We're not talking here about the givers, that the givers should give it for the sake. We said before, some of the givers didn't want to give it. They were forced to give it. But what we're saying over here, the Rebbe says is, speak to the collectors, to the Bnei Yisrael over here. Then it says, from every Jewish person, Asher Yidvenu, Levi, whose heart is whatever, Tichu, you shall take, the attendants shall take, as Trumasi. So who is the one that has to do it for the sake of heaven? We're not talking about the Jewish people here, the one who are giving it. We're talking about those who are collecting should do it in such a way. The verse speaks to the collectors as well as to the people. It says, Dabira Bnei Yisrael, speak to the Bnei Yisrael. Those are the collectors. The Yichuli Truma, take for me, for my sake. They have to do it from any person. That's talking about the givers. Any Jewish person, for any man whose heart is malevolent, that's already talking about the Jewish people. You, the collector, should take my truma. The first part is to the collectors, the second part is to the Bnei Yisrael. The collectors need to have the intent Lishmi. So the collectors need to do it Lishmi. We're not talking about the um, we're not talking about the Jewish people because, like we said before, sometimes the Jewish people don't do it for the sake. They're there even if they don't do it for the sake. It's for the collectors. So why is it important? So here comes the question: Why is it important for the collectors to be Lishmi? Why do the collectors need to do it for the sake of Hashem? The collector, he's just merely enforcing the rules, right? I mean, if they have to give or the people are giving. So why is it important that they... We can understand that the person that gives it, you wanted to make sure he's giving it for the right reasons. Well, uh, Generally, we know, here we're saying, according to this interpretation, that this mitzvah, of that it should be done for the right intention, is mainly for the collectors, that they should make sure to do it for the sake of Hashem. But as far as those givers, it doesn't say they have to do it, they just take it for them, even if they don't want to give it, just, just, just take it for them. So why is it so important that the collectors to be for the right intentions? So first of all, uh, we have to make sure that collectors doing it with the proper intentions. Because uh, sometimes uh, when people are not doing it with the right things, they're not going to be fair, and they're not going to do the right things, and they're going to end up either taking from people what doesn't, what they don't have to give, or they're going to intimidate the people. 
You know, we find in our sages that tell us that a leader shall never put fear onto the people to the extent that he dominates them and that he abuses them in, in a sense that they all fear him and they all fear her or they're all in a way uh, a shock is not allowed to do that because we want to make sure that the leader is actually a real true leader and he's a uh, doing his job properly and that he is not uh, cheating anybody and he's not uh, you know favoring one person and he's not strong to another person. So if a person who is in the job was given the job to collect and he makes the, uh, you know, we see it all the time, you know, when you have people who are enforcing the law, let's say. Uh, you know, a lot of times you wonder, you know, you're going on the highway and a, a state trooper stops you. And, you know, he has a lot of discretion. If he wants, if you speak nicely to them, you say, yes, sir, please, I'm sorry. Maybe he'll let you get you away with a warning. Uh, if you're going to speak bad to him, you're going to uh, insult their ego, he may, uh, he may treat you harshly. He may give you a big ticket. So then you wonder, you say, hey, this guy is just a, a job, you know. He makes a lot less money than I do, you know, and yet he has so much power. He has so much discretion. So the people that are enforcing the laws, enforcing the rules, we have to make sure that they're doing the right things. Because if these people are not doing the right things, and that's what we talked about last week, remember we spoke about in a couple of weeks ago, in the portion of, uh, of uh, Yisro, um, over there we said that he was looking to appoint uh, judges, and things also have to be uh, reliable people, they have to be people, uh, just people. So in this case, we want to make sure with, that they were going to take it l'shem shemaim. They're going to take it for the sake of heaven. Okay, that's. But that's one idea. But there's yet another, and more important thing over here, and that is that you know what is the. What are we trying to accomplish? We're trying to build the mishkan for Hashem. What's this all about? We're building. We're building a dwelling place for God in this world. We're building Him up. Now. To build a place for Hashem, when you're building a, let's say, you get the news that the king is coming to visit. Okay? No, but don't, a president is not a king. <laughs> Some presidents think they are, but a president is not a king. But a king, we're talking about a king. A king is really somebody who is on a, a different level. So he's coming to the city. So you want to make uh, a nice place for the king to stay, right? So what do you do for the king? How do you make him a nice place? You First of all, you got to make sure to clean it up, make it spick and span, make it everything uh, should be perfect. So no dirt. Basically, move all the garbage out. And then you got to decorate it. Bring in the nice furnishings, make nice banners, make nice uh, artwork, put up pictures to make this place look beautiful. And, you know, the same is really true uh, in one's personal base of Mishkan we talked about before. If we want God to rest within us, we have the two mitzvahs. We have the mitzvah of Surmeirah, 
get rid of the bat. So we don't want any bad stuff. We don't want any dirt. We don't want any dirt in our mind, having bad thoughts. We don't want any dirt in our heart, having bad emotions, bad feelings. We want to get rid of that. Those are the surmera. Before we bring the king into our, into our minds, into our heart, into our home, into who we are. But then, we also have to do the mitzvahs. I say tov. We've got to do good deeds. Those are the good deeds. That makes a beautiful place. When the king comes to that, your house, to your heart, to your dwelling place within you, he loves to be there because it's beautiful, it's clean, everything is so beautiful, and that's where the king rests. So you have the surmerah, and you have the seitov. Now, to clean the house from the dirt, you see, you can get anybody. You can get a, uh, maybe you get, a, you know, get cleaning help that come in, and, you know, they clean the house. It's not so important, any intentions over there, to clean the house or to clean up your space. The main thing is just get rid of it. Get rid of the garbage. But when you have to start decorating over there, it takes more thought, it takes more attention, it takes more uh, knowledge. You need more professionals. You, know, you can't just pick up a, you know, a, a cleaning person for paying very little. And by the way, the cleaning people aren't so little anymore. But, you know, you know they say this... Uh, this um, actor had a plumbing job, so the plumber comes in, and you know he he it, it fiddles around there for fifteen minutes, and he says, oh, gives him a bill. He says that's going to be two hundred and fifty dollars. So, <laughs> so the doctor says, look, I'm a physician, you know, I'm a doctor. I don't make that kind of money from. Uh, Ah, the, physi- the the plumber says, when I used to be a doctor, I also didn't make that kind of money. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know the, the the cleaning ladies will tell you when when I used to be a school teacher or I used to be, I didn't make that kind of money. Now it's a different story. No, anyways, but you don't need so much. The main thing is to get it done, get it done. But to do good, that requires more uh, more attention. Requires more. Professionalism, you need to work harder for that. So, what happens is here, this is a two-pronged process. The person giving of his, of his, is sort of, what is the person saying when he gives something? Let's say they give their money for tzedakah, or in this case, they're giving for the mishkan. So when they're giving it, they're basically saying, hey, I'm taking things that I can use uh, to have a good time, to go to the movies and to uh, go on a trip and a vacation. I'm taking it out from these worldly matters and I'm doing something holy with it. I'm giving it I'm giving it so people can learn Torah. I'm giving it so that poor people can have food to eat. So basically what you're doing it, that's just the you're removing it, you're taking it away from the worldly, from yours. But then when you give it to the attendant, you give it to the gizbar, you give it to the uh, collector, he sort of raises it up and he makes the positive, he makes it holy. He makes it holy to Hashem. So, basically, 
the person giving it over there, as I said before, we don't care what you're giving it for, what your intention is. So that's why there is no Lee over there. When you give it, it's like, just give it. Whatever you do, if you have a good kavana, even if we have to take it from you, it's not because over there, it's mostly the act, the act of removing it, taking it out from where it was and moving it away from there. But the gizbar, he has to make it holy. That's already a positive act. He has to elevate it. He has to make it into kedusha, And that is already an more intense and a more difficult shot, a more difficult job. The collector's work is to make it holy. It needs to be done l'shem shamayim, so that we can take those beautiful, like we said, this make them a, 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 a proper dwelling place for Hashem. The person needs to give, and his intentions are not of such importance. As opposed to Yichu, if they take it, their taking, their elevation needs to be done the Shema. So what's the lesson from this the Rebbe brings out? You know, especially we are Shluchim, and everybody is a Shliach, really. Because, what does it mean, a Shliach? Shliach means you're trying to have an impact in your in your surrounding, in your environment, whether it's your home, whether it's your neighbor, whether it's your acquaintances, and so on and so forth. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to influence other people and perhaps influence them in a positive way and perhaps show them and teach them, enlighten them, make them aware, give them a uh, an opportunity that's what we do. And people think, listen, I am really trying just to have the other person, let's say, maybe make a bracha, like do a mitzvah, light the Shabbos candle, study a little parsha, do a little something good. So one may think that their job as a uh, person who's trying to make a difference, it's not important what your intentions are. As long as I'm... What difference does it make if my intentions to influence the other person is not good intentions? Let's say uh, my intentions is I want publicity or my intentions is... Uh, I want uh, to like me, or whatever my ulterior motive is. So the person may argue and say, listen, as long as the other person is going to do, is going to be influenced, is going to be impacted, that is sufficient. I once uh, heard that uh, there was a certain speaker who was uh, very uh, powerful and he was able to influence a lot of people. Everybody listened and he caused a, an emotional steer. People that would listen to him, they would get inspired. And he once came to visit the Rebbe. He was a very popular speaker. And he once came to visit to the Rebbe. And, but he himself wasn't at a very high level. He, 
he was not so religious himself. But he spoke religion to other people. Uh, my uncle, may he rest in peace, used to call it, he was a rabbi for export, not for import. He was, <laughs> he was telling other people what to do. That's what he used to call these, these rabbis. So anyways, uh, you know, the rabbis to give uh, a good sermon, but not, uh, not to live a life of, uh, of piety or of uh, morality, of, a, of exceptional, uh, you know, of holiness. No, they're just, you know, telling everybody else. But in any event, this person was a great speaker, and he came to visit the Rebbe. And the Rebbe said to him, you know, you should actually consider, start doing a little more yourself. So he says to the Rebbe, well, that's not important. What I do is not important. I speak well. I impress people. I get people excited about their Yiddishkeit, about uh, the uh, funding of Israel, about the Jewish people. I talk about all important things. So who cares? What difference does it make if I do or don't do? The main thing is I speak well and I impress the people. That's what counts. So who cares what I do? And Rebbe said to him, you don't understand, you know, the people that you're impressing, they will be like you too. What they will do is they will impress other people. <laughs> they won't do it themselves. You know, it's not do as I say, not do as I do, you know. If it's just I'm saying to do that, he says, people are very quickly going to pick up whether you're doing or you're not doing or you're just saying it. Whether you're living by what you're saying or you're just saying what you're saying. But, that's why the Rebbe says, you can't separate and say, it doesn't matter what my intentions are. You, if you are Yichuli, if you're a collector, if you're there inspiring other people to give their tzedakah, to give that, you must do it L'Shem Shemaim, you must do it for Hashem's sake. You can't just do it, because if you're going to do it, it's, without L'Shem Shemaim, it's not going to work. The person giving, we don't care why he gives it. He should just do it. He should just put on the tefillin, light the Shabbos candle, make a bracha, go to a Torah class. We don't care. But you're the one that is inspiring them. We must, you must make sure that you're doing it L'Shem Shemayim. It's not sufficient to say, look, I'm just doing it and that's enough. And the Rebbe gives another point. If you don't have the right intention, you may actually not be as successful. You're not going to be successful. You think you're successful but you may actually not be as successful because if you're not doing it for the right reasons and you don't have Hashem in mind when you're doing it, then you're bound to make mistakes and you're bound not to get the full bang of the buck. You may not do it for them. So the Rebbe says, therefore, Yikhuli, when you are serving at those that are taking it, uh, you still got to do it lishma. So this is an amazing interpretation of the simple verse over here. Uh, so the, as the Rebbe translates it, that speak to the collectors, basically, Bnei Yisrael. I mean, usually this is a little bit of a twisted uh, interpretation. The reason is, because normally when it says speak to the Bnei Yisrael, it means all of Israel, not talking about the collectors. Uh, 
but the, the verse says Yichuli. These are talking specifically, and then we're talking about the the Yichuli. Okay, so that is the first thing. Yeah, you wanted to say I something. 